Welcome to No Bucks Given, the equestrian podcast where we have honest conversations about the horse industry. Whether it's debunking common myths and digging into the science behind them or talking about a controversial social issue, we get to the bottom of what matters most, how to best care for and advocate for our horses. Today, I'm joined by a special friend and frequent guest of the podcast, my trainer, Melissa Gallagher. Melissa is an equine emotional specialist, as well as an upper level dressage rider. Today, we're going to focus this episode on equine emotion and what you can do to better read, interpret, and care for your horse's emotional health. Melissa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. I'm really excited for this conversation. Me too. So tell me a little bit, you know, we've had you on the pod before and we've gotten to dive into your story, but for those of you who haven't listened before, um, tell me a little bit about how you got started on this journey as in terms of diving into the world of equine emotion and teaching yourself more about it. Such an interesting uh, journey that it, that it was, but I, I guess it has to go back to when I was a kid. I have a lot to credit horses for. They kind of s- kept me on a straight and narrow growing up, and, and I owe them a lot. Um, so I've always felt it my duty to give back to them because they've given me so much in my life. And so when you start out as a professional, but in a way of being really grateful to horses for what they've given you, then you have a more empathetic approach to your training. And, and that took me a long time. I mean, I, you know, I had to kind of unlearn a lot of things that I had learned in the old school way of training that just didn't feel right. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't like working with horses in a forceful way, mm-hmm. but it was all I knew. Mm-hmm. And so I had to seek a better way and find people that could help start me on that journey. And that's where the horsemanship piece came in. Gosh, probably like 2007 or so. And then, um, and then about 12 years ago, it morphed into this incredible journey of equine emotion. Mm. And it just started because I was looking at some of their faces and their muscle structures and, and starting to look at anxiety. I think it really started with, you know, is this horse anxious? Yes or no? And how, how can I help them let go of that? Um, and I think, you know, my degree in psychology, I never thought I was going to really put it into practice. But I think having that background uh, just as an undergrad gave me a little bit of insight into being interested in the field of psychology. And then it just transferred to the horses. Um, yeah, so I started to translate it into the into the field of horses and just looking at how I can help them um, process their emotions. Mm-hmm. At first, it started with just listening to them. And so we'll get into that more, but mm-hmm. that's how I started, just listening. And anybody can do that. This is the thing. It's, this is not something that, you know is witchcraft and um, I'm a a psychic. It has nothing to do with that. It's like anyone can do it. And that's what makes me excited about wanting to share it as well. Because if you're interested in it, you can do it. It's that simple. Um, And that makes it incredible, right? Like we're all able to better understand and communicate with our horses. And so 
it took me a while to figure it out. Of course, I mean, I'm still, I'll be learning this forever, right? I'm not saying that <laughs> I know everything there is to know about equine emotion. That's not right. how this works. Um, it's a journey, like anything. But if you just start listening, then it kind of starts to open these doors. The horses start to know that you're listening. Yeah. And they start to communicate more. Yeah. And that part is, is, is interesting. That part is, no, and I've experienced that as well. You know, I just had like a really beautiful light bulb moment listening to you talk about your journey um, because I feel like you and I like have ended up in different places but with pretty similar philosophies mm -hmm. to horses. And I really believe that it's because you and I both come up from a background of horses kind of saved us. Mm -hmm. So we went into the professional world instead of having a job to do, I think we both had lessons to learn. And I think that's how both of us looked at horses, even as professionals. And I think both of us too, like I, my first gut reaction when something happens with my horse that's not desirable is curiosity and not anger, because it's not that I think that my horse as like a job or something to check off a list or like a means to an end. It's a partner and I want to just have a better understanding of them and their emotions. So if they're telling me something very clearly by something going wrong, like them bucking or bolting, I just have this curiosity of like what's going on physically or emotionally with right. them. And I think like, you know, I don't have the understanding of equine emotion that you have, um, but I do, I think that anyone can learn it if they just view their horse with curiosity mm -hmm. and they just spend like time with them. Like, I think that I've gotten a really good read on horses and that ability you talk, you just talked about, like kind of the, like, I think once they know that you're listening and watching mm -hmm. them, they very quickly want to communicate yes. more with you. Like, I, and they're very specific mm -hmm. about it. And, you know, I've had, like, my best friend or um, my friend Allie, like, they've, either of them have told me, like, you know, I think you have this, like, magical gift with horses. And I don't actually think it's magic necessarily. It feels magical. But I just think I'm, I spend so much quiet time with mm -hmm. them that when they, when I meet a horse, I think they almost recognize me a little bit as one of their own and they feel much more comfortable like telling me things essentially. I just got the chills to that because that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. They know that you're open to them. Them. Yeah. And then they're like, oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have something I have something to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> because how many humans do they encounter that are open to that? Yeah, you know? and it's and the sad thing is, is I actually think a lot of people would like to be. I think so too. They just don't know. They just don't know, and it's not. It's something that's almost like I, we will talk about like tangible steps to like mm -hmm. do this, but it's such just like a mindset of like curiosity and quietness and openness and like viewing a horse as like their own person or their own entity and like their ability and like being very open to their ability to communicate back to you instead of having that one way conversation of yes. telling them things. And a respect, right? A mutual yeah. respect. That's a big part of it. If I respect my horse, then they know that. Yeah. And and they respect me back because I respect them and how I handle them. Yeah. And they in kind respect me and how they approach me and work with me. And so it makes it a lot easier when I raise them <laughs> <laughs> because they are, they grow up with that in mind. So when I get in uh, a three-year-old or something that's not had that 
type of handling. Yeah. I forget sometimes what I'm getting myself into because it's going to be a bit of a longer road building that relationship. And a lot of times they're kind of coming in wanting to, because a lot of times the horses I get are there for uh, trauma healing. And so they come in ready to fight me. Well, you know, I think that makes sense because if they've spent so long, like, not being listened to, they have mm -hmm. to learn to they yell. They have to fight, yeah. Yeah, they have to learn to fight. I think that's so interesting, you know, like, and I totally agree with you about the respect thing, like, just initially approaching horses with respect right mm -hmm. off the bat. Like, one thing I do that maybe seems a little bit silly is when a client is introducing me to their horse, the client will be talking to me. And I actually, like, have the client, like, I stop talking to the client, and I walk up to the horse and I say hello, and I give them, like, some pats and snuggles, and I ask them how they're doing, mm -hmm. and then I go back to talking to the client. I don't just talk to the client and listen to them about what's going on with the horse and then immediately work on the horse. Right. I actually take a second to acknowledge the horse. That means so much to them. You know, they love that. <laughs> yeah. They love being acknowledged. Yeah. And listened to. Yeah. And then they just, like, you can't shut my horses up. <laughs> That's <laughs> they're, awesome. They're over-communicative. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because they just want to talk to so – Like, yeah. they're not even – like, it sounds – again, it sounds so, like uh, – Woo woo, but right. they just like as soon as they understand, like, and especially like the horses you have a relationship with, like, you know, a lot of the horses I work on, most of the horses I work on are horses I've worked on for a long time mm -hmm. or I will work on for a very long time. And within one or two sessions, even the more shut down ones tend to get very comfortable telling me where to go. Like, they'll shift around their body, they'll point, <laughs> they'll literally point to it with their muzzle, they'll look at me and like explain to me, like, what needs to, what needs right. to happen in terms of pressure an area and it's so like you know and that's just like something I pick up without doing it like consciously Love and that. I'm so excited to dive into all the things you've done consciously and like really like immersed yourself in in this experience so what are some initial like what's like the ideal that we're searching for what we'll, we'll dive into the bad stuff but I want to have a picture in our mind of like what is a relaxed happy horse looking like, and what speaking. do they look like yeah <clears throat> so they will have this really soft eye. I always go to the mm -hmm. eye first. Yeah. And they'll have a nice, round, soft eye. There's not wrinkles around it. And it's it, the, the shape can change to like an almond when they're not happy or they're stressed or right. upset. And so you can actually see that go away as they become comfortable and relaxed. Um, so I look for the eye first to just be... I like to look in it, like through it almost, um, and see what they're saying about that. And then I want the nostrils to be soft and not have a lot of wrinkles above them. Okay. Um, I want the chin to not like be pointy. Okay. <laughs> no, it does make sense. And I remember the first time you told me that I found it so interesting. And I started because I always look at the eye. Um, but I never really looked at like the lips being pursed. And that is it's it's a very like, strong indicator. It is. Yeah, it's really interesting. I learned that years ago. Stallions are very vocal with their their lips. Okay. <laughs> and you have a background with breeding. In yes. It. Yeah, yeah. And so we we always call it stallion lip or the parrot lip. When, yeah. You know, and they get and I have had some late gelded um, geldings and they would have a lot of stallion behaviors and so I started looking at the lips with the boys like that. Okay. Um, but then it sort of morphed into 
wow, this is all of the horses, and it's not just a parrot lip. It, it can yeah. just be purse lips. It can be the chin yeah. being pointy and, and kind of sucked up or tight. Okay. And you can see it start to just soften. So I look for all of that in the face. Okay. And you can see tension in the forehead Yeah. as well. Right. Um, and I'll feel that. I'll feel between the eyes yeah. and above that. I do that a lot too. Like, and I also just think that feels so good to them. Yeah. Like I, I always like, I have a little massage I do to just kind of like gently check in with the facial muscles. And I think it's so relaxing to them and kind of helps them relax their face and get into like a nice mode to mm-hmm. be massaged. It feels so good, right? Yeah. Oh and yeah. Have you gotten a facial or like a face massage before? No. Dude, it <laughs> feels should. amazing. It's like the best. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put that on the okay. list. <laughs> um, and then TMJ. You know, I'll check that and I'll feel that. And you know how I am with opening the jaw and getting the jaw to relax. And uh, if you get a a big yawn with a third eye blink, that's like, Mm. that is just, (laughs) that's a good sign. That is so beautiful. I love that so much. Um, And breathing. Mm. Listen to their breathing a lot. If it's short and held or if it's nice, rhythmical. Deep, relaxed, relaxed okay. breaths, um, and that's a big indicator when you're riding as well. If I'm riding and my horse is breathing irregularly, yeah, something's wrong. I remember one time I switched girths on my horse, and he like stopped breathing, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I, I hadn't ever thought about his breaths before, and then I like I, it was something like I switched girths or something like that, and he just stopped breathing, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the worst!" And I this immediately so switched it. <laughs> But, yeah, that's, like, a huge yeah. indicator. And I have a couple of horses, um, even just in the last couple of years, but whether it's anxiety about the work that they're going to do or they're in physical pain or both, mm-hmm. they will have those short, choppy breaths. And I immediately pick up on that, and I'm like, whoa, whoa. Okay, what do, what's going on? What do you need? How can I help you? Um, and so then it automatically will go to helping figure out the why and and showing them how to let go or getting the help that they need medically mm. um, so that they're not feeling not breathing like that. Yeah. yeah. No, me, I, you know, I just had a conversation about breathing with horses and how a lot of horses either like have bad breathing or it can even be impinged by, you know, what we talked about on the last episode with over tightening um, the frame, you mm-hmm. know, horses can't breathe properly when they're behind the vertical. So mm-hmm. that's definitely something to keep in mind as well. Absolutely. Um, so, okay. So we're checking in with the face and the breathing. Do you look to the body? I do. So then I'll yeah. go to the neck. Okay. Um, and check basically right behind the ear. There's a really nice pressure point, uh, and like a little groove. You, you'll know, it's, it's, you'll know what it's, it is. It's the occiput. Yeah. And so you can, Actually, before I get on a youngster, yeah, I will massage that area. Yeah, great. Because I choose life, <laughs> and a lot of times you'll feel a lot of tension in that in that yeah. spot. So that's like a little trick that okay. I actually got from Don, my awesome. horsemanship coach, and it's a, it's a lifesaver. But then I'll go down the neck, and I want to know how much tension there is. What are they holding? Okay. In the neck, are those muscles like rock solid? Yeah. Or can you manipulate them a little bit? Do they feel soft to the touch? Uh, I'll lower the head. That's a really good indicator for me of how much tension we're dealing with and where they're at with a human asking them to be in a submissive position. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. 
So what is a submissive position? When you take the, like, I always do it in a rope halter because you have the knots uh, above the nose so I can help lower the head. Okay. But how much pressure does it take? Or not even, because I won't increase pressure. Okay. But how long is it going to take? And I may uh, hold the bottom, the the knot of the rope halter, and I might go in a a little bit of a left-right motion Mm. or circular Mm -hmm. or just wait. Mm. And so... So, okay, so what I do with anxious horses is I literally just offer them a treat and try to get them to drop their head and neck because Mm -hmm. um, there are, like, studies and, you know, there's also just so much evidence with my experience that when they drop their head and neck down that they get a lot more relaxed. So you're checking for, like, overall just, like, willingness to, like, relax down essentially? Yes, willingness to be in a vulnerable – that's a vulnerable position for them. Okay. And so that tells me where they're at with a human relationship a oh, little bit. Okay. Right? Okay. I'll know I'll know a lot about them if they automatically go, Oh, I have no problem lowering my head, sure, no problem. Right. Or if it's like a oh my gosh, why why are you asking me to do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then I go, It's okay. Like it's all right. And what I'm looking for down there is they you know, you know, they take a deep breath, they start to lick yeah. and chew. I would like them in a perfect world they yawn i mean the yeah. the horses i've had that yawn and third eye blink in that position now it's pretty fascinating yeah and they just it's like the yawn is almost taking deep-seated stuff and like releasing it yeah you know, no it's just like comes yeah. out there's a lot of like new i haven't gotten into this side of like the holistic world you know you and i are both also like human holistic not just horse right, holistic right. um but there's so much interesting stuff about deep breathing and like people releasing trauma and like emotional and physical baggage through breathing so i would imagine you know if it's been shown to happen in people i would imagine horses can do the same thing as well it's really funny that you said that because i started it with horses yeah. A decade before I started it for myself. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. I want to, so do you do the like Wim Hof breathing? Oh, That's so I've been doing do. that for four years. Wow. Okay. I need to get into that. I just like, it's, you know, on the list of like things I want to try. It's incredible. But it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good mm-hmm. to know. Homework for me. Yes. Yes. I'll do it with you if you want. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely. so incredible. Okay. Cool. Um, and so, yeah, it's funny that the my my path with horses, emotional health and well-being has gotten me to pay more attention to it for myself, but it took a long time. Oh, no, I was the same way. I mean, even though I went to human massage school first and then I went to horses, I really didn't, like, buy into a lot of the holistic side of the world. Like, I bought into massage. Like, it worked for Wesley very Mm -hmm. well. But I really didn't buy into, like, the holistic side of things until I, like, toyed around with it so much and I got so into it in the horse industry and I saw how much it worked for humans as well. (laughs) Well, because so much of the research starts in humans or goes back and forth between humans and horses. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating stuff. It is fascinating. So, okay, so you're going down the neck and you're feeling basically for muscular tension. Mm -hmm. Um, Then do you go to the back and the hind end and do the same? Yeah, so I'll, I'll okay. kind of palpate that whole area and go down and just see, you know, first of all, is there pain? Right. Um, or are they holding a lot of tension? And you can usually see it. You can, you know, you know, you can right. see tension in the muscles. Right. And a lot of times you can see pain right. as well. Um, and then there's a, a Masterson method, yeah. um, which I am not certified Certified. and I would like to make that very clear just someone taught you just someone taught me to go through the bladder meridian yeah and that's been kind of fascinating I'm I'm very green and and new to it I'm doing it about a year and a half and uh 
to see how they respond through that is, oh, is yeah. pretty fascinating. And you just kind of like, you're doing like the energy level mm-hmm. over it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And that's I'll go cool. from the pole all the way to the hind coronary band. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Just something to connect even more, you know, yeah. and, and get your horse to release energy that yeah. is maybe not the healthiest for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so Another thing I've noticed, I'm curious, I I love like comparing notes with you. Another thing I've noticed is a lot of horses that have had a history of abuse or just like baseline, very defensive of of people have a lot of issues being like palpated and touched in their hind end. I've also, of course, seen that in mares that probably have reproductive like ovary issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you see that as well with like a history of abuse? Yes. I mean, and it's always sometimes, I don't usually know the history. Okay. Right? Okay. Um, So I have to unpack that. Okay. As I go. And so, and I always say, what's abuse for one horse doesn't necessarily mean another horse felt it the same. Just like people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, their sensitivities and everything. So usually what I'll say is, unless it's, pretty obvious that the horse was abused, which right. you can you can tell. But when it's right. more a, an ambiguous case, I'll say, yeah. I don't know exactly, but this horse <laughs> took whatever happened as abuse, whether it was right. what we would consider abuse or it's just how they perceived being handled. Well, and also too, like I think that there are things that aren't abuse that are maybe more like negligence or just a right. very unsuitable program. Like right. I think that... My understanding from what I kind of pieced together from um, Wesley's history was he was in like one or two programs that just really were like incredibly busy barns and just like like more like like higher level professionals that had just like, you know, a job to do like there. He was one of like 30, you know, and I think that for him, I'm sure he was like, I don't think he was ever abused or beaten, but I do think that that left him with a huge amount of emotional baggage. I think that's the very core of it, right? Right. It's not always abuse. Right. But they bring that along with them, training programs that they've been in, experiences that they've had. They have a memory that's just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, they're very smart. So smart. Yeah, very smart. So smart. And so a lot of people aren't knowingly or actively abusing their horses, right? Yeah. But um, the programs can can be a lot yeah. for these horses. And so they just start to carry those feelings and tensions and memories with them as they go. And if they don't learn how to properly process their emotions and release the unhealthy ones, then they kind of pack it in their trunk and bring it along with them. And so then they, <laughs> just like us, right? Yeah. I mean, we're the no, same 100%, way. And, and yeah. we bring that along. Like, yeah. um, and I think because, and, and you, we've talked about this before with our past, but having experienced trauma as children, yeah, um, we are just more open to that with horses and understanding it and wanting to help them because we know what it feels like to have gone through trauma ourselves. Yeah. I think maybe part of that is why they recognize us as one of them. Right. Yeah. Um, Oh, wait. So, okay. So the ideal horse, Oh, wait, actually I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack. So, and yeah, I mean, I honestly think of, I think of the relationships we have 
of horses as they have some similarities to romantic relationships. You can be in a bad relationship that isn't abusive, Mm -hmm. right? You know, like you can be with someone who just doesn't work for you and it gets like toxic pretty quickly. I also think, I think that happens very frequently to horse and rider partnerships. Um, But so the ideal horse is relaxed, soft, easily drops their head. Um, what are some things that when you meet a new horse that you see commonly in a horse that has a history of some issues? Oh, there'll be all the, the telltale signs, <laughs> of, um, hard eyes or anxious eyes, okay. all those wrinkles we talked about in the, the nose and the chin, the lips are pursed, the, the neck is tight, tight, hard. And you, yeah. yeah, hard, like those muscles yeah. are just like... Oh, and that just, it makes me really sad when yeah. I meet a horse that has just those, like, rock-hard muscles through their oh, neck. Like yeah, That's got to be so painful. Yeah, it has to be so painful. And they are not willing to release, lick and chew. Yeah. Um, if they're hard to get a lick and a chew out, because I know all the little, yeah, all the ways, little ways to get that out. Yeah. So if they're not willing to even do the basic lick and chew. I know I've got my work cut out for me. Okay. This is going to be a bit of a long haul. So what do you think that means? Like they don't trust you to relax around you? That th- I think that's part of it. Okay. I also think they've been holding tension for so long without knowing how to process and release it that they don't even know where to start. Okay. And they're just in a state of frozen. Mm, okay. And so they have to be taught, just like we have to be taught how to, regulate emotions and you know you can think of 10 people in your head the ones that are (laughs) you know the ones that are able to in a healthy way process and release emotions (laughs) i think i think i think that the list of people who can process is very short yeah Yeah. that's so true um which is unfortunately true for our horses yes very much so so what do you see any specific like signed okay so i'm trying to think of how people listening to this at home can kind of start to implement this with Mm -hmm. their horses so let's say um i'm riding my horse Mm -hmm. and they seem to be upset about a question i'm asking them you know for example like i'm working on um a canter lead change um or uh a or I'm like going over a different kind of jump than I normally go over. Mm-hmm. How can I tell if they are feeling anxious about that situation or um, maybe just not like strong enough for that? Like, how do you kind of tell the difference? Um, or like, maybe they just need to do it a few, like, I guess maybe the better question is, do you have an understanding of like, when it feels like, you know, the horse is a little bit anxious about something, are there signs that you can tell, like, this is a time to retreat or this is a time to kind of push through it and have a breakthrough? I guess that um, it depends on how well I know the horse. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm setting, I feel like that question is something like it really just, it, that's such an experience. It's such thing, an experience. It's such a relationship. You have to know thing. the horse. I mean, I can probably look at a horse I've never looked at and tell you, how much of it is anxiety and how much of it is weakness. Right. Um, or, you know, that it's just a new exercise. Yeah. But I think where I, where I tell people to start, okay. if they want to understand their horse better and, and go down this path, is it's like a 90-day challenge. Oh, okay. And you just listen. Okay. For 90 days. 
So listen, I mean, to does that look like, you know, does that mean not asking the horse for stuff? No, it just okay. means as you're going about your regular work, you're open mm, okay. to listen to your horse's feedback. Are they, listen to the breathing, mm-hmm. listen for releases, listen for grunts, because when you're up there, you can't see the face. So the facial right. stuff is for okay. the ground. Okay. And then when you get on, it's all about what does it, what does it feel like and what does it sound like? Mm. And so, and if you're not tuned in, like if this is all completely new to you okay. and people think like, well, how? Yeah. But it's very easy to just say, I can, I can listen. Yeah. That I can do. Yeah. Right? So if you just start there and you start to pick up when your horse grunts or sneezes, or takes a big deep breath and you just take a mental note of that mm-hmm. and then the next time you're you're going to start to notice patterns okay and then those patterns will start to become a two-way conversation because then you start to say to yourself well I want to help this horse breathe like that all the time or I want to help this horse release with because those sneezes they feel better after that you know mm-hmm. they're get better through their body and um, and they feel so good. And, and I've had, you know, a lot of people over the years would say, well, what if a bug flies in their nose and they sneeze? Sure. Maybe that's 4% yeah. of the sneezes. You know, I, yeah. I know this so well now that um, anyone that tries to, to say that it's just false, it's like when, once you start listening to your horse, you will also be a believer because you're going to start to, really recognize those patterns and there's tension sneezes and there's relaxation sneezes and learning what the difference is and how to help them get to the relaxation ones and how to do it regularly i mean my horses they do it from the time i get on until the time i get off the ones that know it but now any horse i get on that's my first goal how long is it going to take me to get a release Mm, okay Right. And by release, you mean like a relaxing, like a yawn and a lick and a chew. Yeah, lick and a chew, Mm -hmm. a grunt, a big deep breath. A big deep breath. Sneezes are great. Um, Coughs. Okay. If they do a big cough, that's always going to be followed by a sneeze. Okay. And the cough is like, um, it's deeper. Mm, okay, so deeper than like kind of like a my hay was dusty sort of call. Oh, yeah, right. Because right. I've ridden a lot of horses who like the first, you know, time you pick up the trot, they do a couple of coughs that I assume yes. are respiratory. Well. You don't think so? I don't know now. I'm still okay. on, I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence about that because I always thought that. Yeah. But the more I unpack all of this and, yeah. and dive into it and learn more about it, I'm not so sure. Now, if some horses, they have an asthma issue or right, you know, yeah. there's a physical issue, then a medical reason, then then that might be different. But what I am finding is the ones that do it as soon as you get on, sometimes they're just letting go right away or yeah. holding on mm, right away. Okay. And then you just have to learn how which your horse which. communicates right to okay. know which is which. 
So I like the 90 day challenge of listening to your horse. To me, it sounds like that's kind of like super appropriate for people who like own a horse and are around them a lot. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to think is a version of that for the person who might not be around horses as much, might be a little bit more of a beginner horse owner that doesn't quite have like the sixth sense that us more experienced horse people Mm -hmm. have. What I'm coming up with in my head is maybe just taking 10 or 15 minutes, um, like every time you see whatever horse you're riding to like sit in a stall with them. Because that's what I personally found the most helpful um, as a more beginner person is literally just like watching them in a way that doesn't make them feel weird. You know, not every single horse you can just go and sit in a stall with them. Most of them you can. But just like watching them, seeing how they eat, then like grooming them, standing back and staring at them for a little bit like tacking them up, standing and like kind of staring at them while you tack up. Like I think maybe for some people who are a little bit less experienced, doing it like super consciously yes. at certain times That's might be really helpful. That's a really good way, yeah, to do, to do it. And, and I like what you said about taking your time. I think everything we do with horses, we should slow down Yeah. and take our time. Yeah. Tacking them up. I mean, and, and I, we're in a busy barn. I mean, you, you know, right, you know yeah. that, but you know the energy in my barn. Yeah, the energy is like... There's stuff happening, but it's just a very, like, peaceful atmosphere. I think that's really important. It's, yeah. it's so important for me. Yeah. Um, personally, and, and, and the way that I want my barn environment to be. But I think if these really, like, top busy barns could all just, like, slow down. I know it's really hard to yeah. do, but just yeah. to slow down a little bit when you're getting yeah. the horse ready. Not just, like, throw the tack on and cinch up the girth. And right. I look at their body when we do that, as I'm grooming, as I pick the feet, um, when I put the saddle on. What do they do when I put the saddle on? Yeah, that's really important. Right? Are they, like, super tense and the head goes up and their eyeball, you know, the whites of their eyes show? Yeah. Um, Or, and if you, like, slap the saddle on. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that, right? But I think a lot of times, whether it's, you know, someone that just doesn't know to do it differently or it's a really busy barn and they've got... 25 horses to get done and yeah. so they just chuck the tack on and right. and off they go but i think intention um is really important when you're thinking of how, how to get your horse ready that's setting right. you up for the ride right and and i think like too like you know i can be really quick in and out of the barn but feel very peaceful mm-hmm. you know i can like give my horse a quick brush off put on the saddle tack up ride come back gently put them away right but Again, you're so right about, you know, if the intention is there of like, you know, I this is my time for you today. It's a little bit limited, sure. but I'm still here for you. And I'm going to make sure that I'm not in a rush anxious. energy exactly. because I have a shorter amount of time. Right. Because people can have rushed, anxious energy and spend three hours at the barn. Oh, absolutely. I've seen it all the time. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it's not you don't have right. to take forever to do these things, right. but how you do them. Yes. Is super important. Right. And just kind of sets the tone. I had a, a student, she, I love her dearly. She used to ride before work every day. Mm-hmm. And her horse couldn't walk. Like he was jiggy all the time. He was an off the track thoroughbred. Yeah. And so she just thought, oh, he's an off the track thoroughbred. Yeah. So he doesn't walk. Um, but she was an inventor and she needed him to walk for part of the dressage test. And so after a couple months, I was like, but why? Yeah. But why? But why? And yeah. so then I said, what do you like when you get here at 6 in the morning? 
Yeah. And you ride. Are you rushed? <laughs> what <laughs> kind you, of question is that? Because <laughs> you need to get to work. And yeah. she was like, and you could just see her like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh oh, Melissa's going to call me out. Yeah, and so then it was like this whoa. It's not yeah. just that my horse is an off the track thoroughbred, it's that I'm coming here and my mind is already at work. I think that's like such a problem that I see with mm-hmm. a, that a lot of people do to their horses. Either they come to the barn after work and their yes, mind and is still at work and they're rushed to get home, or their mind is getting to work. Mm-hmm. And you just, I think you have to, like, at some level, kind of try to, your best to block out the rest of the day and just make that hour. Cause it just goes back to like the only thing you have with your horse is the present moment. You don't have any control over what's going to happen in the next six months or even in the next two days you just have your hour with them a day and you should i and i hope that you make it count yeah Yeah. i think that's really important and we i mean look at the society we live in now yeah everything is rushed and it's anxiety constantly surrounding us right and so and it's really stressful and we've got jobs and kids and craziness. I mean, you know, my life is... Oh, very hectic. Very hectic. (laughs) But if I brought that into my work... Right. Or my kid, you know, so it's really... And it's a practice. You have to really actively and consciously make that choice every day to go, it's okay that I I have a circus. Right. (laughs) But it's how I handle it. And, And I think, too, like keeping in mind that you can't change anything about your life while you're sitting on your horse. You may as well just enjoy sitting on your horse. Mm-hmm. The only thing you can change is making you more relaxed by actually enjoying your ride. Yeah. You know, like I actually have pretty consciously started like not taking my phone on trail rides or hacks because I just want to like actually enjoy riding. Be in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> like I would like, you know, I used to always like work for my phone like, right. and I would like multitask and I was like, this is great. But then I was like, I was like, I do, I, uh, and then I was suddenly like, my I don't work really hard at my job to like not enjoy the hour I day, right? The hour a day I get with, and my then you horse. get back from the hack, yeah. and you didn't even take any of it in. Yeah, <laughs> and unfortunately, there might be a time when it's your last hack with your horse, right? You know, like I remember so clearly my last hack with Wesley, and I left my phone at the barn, and I just wandered around. It was sunset with him, and like that was such a special, like magical moment mm-hmm. with him, and. That was, you know, like about less than 12 hours before he passed away, wow. right? Like, and, but, you know, I wish that more people would take that time with their horse and keep in mind, like, they're our best friends and they can be taken away. Yeah. yeah. And they think um, they make me better every day. Yeah. They make me a better person, Yeah. you know, and just being at peace with them, it can really change your life outside of the barn. And I think it's been the biggest thing for me. It's, it's not just this journey of equine emotion, um, but it's what it's given me in, in the rest of my life, which yeah. is like, they just keep giving me more. You know, horses, have, <laughs> I'm trying to give back to them in doing this, but what it's given me in the rest of my life, that peace and that just quiet. Yeah. Around the chaos. <laughs> yeah. I think taking those quiet, still moments just makes you a better person. Right. And when they put their head, you know, like yeah. right in your stomach, it's yeah. just the best. Like Horses are awesome. Like, or when, they, like, when Jag 
rolled over. Oh, he, oh, and just like boom. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, "You're my pillow You're now." You're my pillow. <laughs> you know, it's just like when they have that sort of when they have those interactions with you. Yeah. it's just it's a fest. It's like it's like yeah, like we all do this. Like none of us are making like millions doing this. We no, all do this because like we because we were horse crazy little kids <laughs> yeah. and we were just like, I want to play with my pony. Yeah, and, and like when I walk into the field, I want them to want to come to me. Yeah, that's of a big course. one. Oh yeah, because okay. I'm their hardest worker yeah (laughs) oh yeah they see me if they go the other way i'm like oh man yeah that's a big indicator do they want to be with me Mm. so i do a lot of liberty work so that i check in and i'm no professional at it by any standard (laughs) i just um i have a lot to learn about it but i'll just turn my horses loose in the indoor when i can and where do they choose to go do they choose to be with me? Yeah. Because if they don't, I got work to do. Right. And right. I love that you're taking ownership of that. Right. Yeah. I want to know. Like, it's yeah. like my, my quarterly report from my horses. <laughs> That's awesome. Their, their review. Their, their review. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and I really do feel like that. Like, yeah. I want them to tell me what my performance is. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> I love that because so many people like will have a poor result at a show or whatever, and they blame anything outside of themselves. You know, they blame, and it's not even like it's not even that they won't take ownership for like a flaw in their training program. They won't even take ownership for like maybe I didn't like do the test as well as I could. Maybe I didn't give the horse the best ride. That, right. That like I they won't have. even yeah. do that. They right. they blame the show. They blame the judge. They blame, you know, some something else that might have happened to the horse. They blame the horse. But, right. you know, I think just taking real ownership of, like, yeah. your relationship and your progress with your horse, like, it does come down to you. And there's no escaping it. No. And I think the most humbling thing was when I realized that, Everything they do is a result of what I do. They hold up a mirror to who you are as a person. They really do. They really hold up a mirror. And you have to just eat that humble pie and know that if your horse isn't doing something that you would like it to do, then you need to change. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Period. You know? And so it's funny (laughs) because my students know, as you know, I'm never going to be like, oh, that was the horse's fault. Yeah. <laughs> and so my students, and, and I say it to them too, like I've been down the same journey. It's not like I haven't made all the same mistakes that all yeah. of my students have. Oh, you know? yeah. Um, That's why you're a good teacher. But I'm not ever going to say like, oh, that was the horse's fault or yeah. the horse should have done this. <laughs> because at the end of the day, it, it still doesn't matter. If the horse did something, it's still up to us to change it. So... It has to be the conversation you have. I just had this talk with one of my favorite students a few weeks ago because he will always say, uh, he did this or he did that, talking about his gelding. Mm. Well, he won't. Mm. (laughs) And that is like... And you laid into him. I can (laughs) just feel you laying into him. (laughs) I totally did. And I said, and I, and I felt bad because I adore, I adore this student. And I, he's been with me since he was like 11. Um, and he's such a great person. Like animals love him. You know, you always get a yeah. good indicator of like, he'd be like 11 and the horses would see him coming or the cat and the dog. And they're, hey, they love him. Yeah. And so he's such a good soul. Yeah. 
but he'll get frustrated right now with, with his horse, who's mm. a unicorn. That's the other thing. I always say, the horses, my students always say, is there a horse you don't like? <laughs> and the answer is usually no, because... Yeah, I don't think I've met one I really don't. I mean, there's you know, maybe, like, one. Because it's yeah, still, like, like, I'll still feel bad for them if they're in a yeah. place that's that bad that I don't like them. It's because of what they've been through, yeah. not because of how they started. Right. And so, but what I say to this student is, like, you have to change the dialogue. Don't mm. say he won't right. or he didn't. Say, how can I help him do? And just changing how you think about what your horse is doing is going to change how you approach it. I love that. That's excellent. That's the episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We're done. <laughs> That's it. So how can, so, you know, we've talked about how people can get started starting to tune into their horse's emotions. What other resources do you recommend to people who want to go down this path? Hmm. I get a lot, actually. So you have you have found some research on this. Um, yeah. I have a little bit of research we can look it at. It is quick. not a very widely practiced it's not. And I mean, so, yeah, so I, for this episode, you know, I always love to back up whatever we're talking about with research. Mm -hmm. And for this episode, I dove in to try to find out what research has been done on horses' emotions and psychology. And, you know, I looked up horse anxiety and I came and it came up with like 50 research articles on horses helping people with anxiety right. and then I looked up equine emotion and then it came up with another like 50 articles <laughs> of horses helping and then it came up with like hor I think I looked up like horse response or horse reactivitis and then it came up with a very fascinating article on how horses respond to human emotion and I would love to talk to you more about that mm -hmm. but I did finally the way I found some research was I dug around I like went like through a bunch of pages and I found this French researcher this woman who's done quite a bit of research and um, I dug through all of her articles I'm excited because okay. I don't uh, I don't have a lot that I've researched about that but where I get my knowledge from other than just practicing it is I'll listen to podcasts about the same thing with humans. Oh, okay. Right. So I can learn different avenues or practices just by listening to human podcasts. Cause there's millions of those on health and wellness and breathing and you know, so it was right after that lesson that I had had with him. Mm -hmm. I was driving to Devon, mm -hmm. and I was listening to one of my favorites, his Diary of a CEO. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about... Breathing? Self-talk. Oh, okay. And so I screen recorded like a 30-second <laughs> blip of it, what you say. And this, is, this was regarding just to yourself, how you talk about yourself yeah. impacts how you feel and how you are within yourself and so changing that conversation if you have negative self-talk that's you know that's not a good thing so changing it to positive but then I just put that on the horse how I talk to the horse and so I screen recorded like a 30 second clip and I sent it to him and I was like this is what I'm listening to today and you know and it and I just said like this is it <laughs> you know and he You're goes so excited yeah I'm so excited and he's like He's like, yeah, I actually did it today. I thought he was going to be like maybe Aww. upset with me a little bit because I was yeah. pretty tough on him. 
in a in a joking in a way, way, but yeah. but I, you're, you're not that tough. No, I'm not. That tough. I'm, not I'm not mean by <laughs> no, any stretch, but mean. but I did feel bad. Like, oh, I was pretty hard on him for that lesson. Yeah. But I really, he's got so much talent, and I really. Oh yeah, of course. You're the hardest on the people you see the most right. potential in. Yeah, yeah. And I just know that if I could get him to change that conversation, that the whole relationship is going to change. And in a matter of what, it's been three weeks. Yeah. They look completely different. That's amazing. That's so cool. And so, and it's yeah. really exciting because he's getting ready for Maryland. So. So I actually have like a little piece of self-talk for you because it. I think you. I think you'll love this. It totally changed the way I look at a lot of things. Um, instead of saying, I'm so stressed out, I have so much going on, I say, I'm being chased down by blessings. Oh, that's a really good one. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, in some weeks, those blessings are... <laughs> really hard. <laughs> ...are really chasing me. But it's all good things in life. Yeah. You know? I, I feel, like, really blessed. I love that. You know, Thank because you. when I get the busiest, sometimes it's, like, trying to keep so many balls in the air. Yeah, and I think it's really easy to take for granted the fact that you and I get to work with horses, which is so, like, magical. Yeah. You know? So, like, anything in my life that's busy to me is a blessing. It's a good thing. And that's how I always have to change that, yeah, mental conversation when I feel overwhelmed. It's like, but look what I get to do. Yeah. Every day. Yeah, and it's okay to feel overwhelmed. Yeah. But you're overwhelmed for a good reason. You're overwhelmed doing something you So you can be overwhelmed positively yeah. or you can be overwhelmed negatively and yeah. you can just change that conversation like and and how you and how you said your love self talk yeah. that's awesome so let's look at the research um again i wish that there was ooh wow there's a lot of really interesting stuff in here um i wish that we had even more time to dig into more of this but there were a few different things i mean first of all one thing i found interesting was some of the research has shown that some horses are more innately fearful than others. Mm-hmm. And I found that interesting. Like, it does show that there is an element of nature to this mm-hmm. and that horses are born with their own personalities. Sure. And therefore, like, we have to adapt our training programs for them. I think my breeding program helped me learn a lot about that. Oh, okay. Um, working with foals really does give you that insight that they, they come out just like us. Yeah. With their own personalities and their own fears and agendas. And like my cult, my latest one, I've never seen anything that brave in my life. <laughs> so like, he's going to be a cross-country horse? Well, Don, no, he's going to be my dressage horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Don and I were working with him in June, and he said, I've never seen anything like this. And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> um, but he came out of my bravest mare. Yeah. You know, my little bullfighter. And, That's so um, cool. She's oh, so Oh, is she tough. the one that got the alligator? Yes. Oh, can we can we take a time for that story Can we tell really that quick? story? Yeah, let's, let's, let's tell that story. <laughs> okay. So it'll be three years this winter, but uh, the barn I used to be at in Florida for the winter um, had a big pond on it, and it backed up to the Everglades. So there's, and it's Florida, so you know there's a gator. You have to assume there's one in every body of water. Well, there was definitely one in this body of water. <laughs> and my yellow lab just would not take no for an answer uh, about going near the pond. And so he then he got sneaky about it. And he oh. would sneak over there. And I was riding to the arena. Luckily, I was right by that pond. And my son was standing. Like, we watched the whole thing as well. He was closer to me. He wasn't near the water. But... 
all of a sudden I heard this scream. The dog started screaming. Oh my God. I've never heard a dog make this oh. sound before. And it was just like, it, I'll never forget it. Yeah. Like it just st stuck with yeah. me because I thought, that's not a dog fight. My, my dog isn't yeah. a fighter anyway, but right. that's not a dog fight noise. That's like a scream. Scream. Terror. Terror. Yeah. And so I quick like look in that direction and I see the reeds oh. in the pond. Yeah. Uh, thrashing, pond. moving. Yeah. yeah. And in that moment, you just go. Like you freeze for a, literally a split second because you've only got maybe 10 seconds yeah. to do something. Yeah. And I'm on my horse. <laughs> Luckily, I was on the most badass horse of them all. <laughs> because if I was on any of her the others. Her name's Flash. Her right? name's Flash Dance. Flash. And I bred her. And she's half Lusitano. Okay. Which is where the fight comes in. Okay. Um, she's got like ranch horses in her background, cowie horses. Yeah. And some bullfighting. Wow. And so, and then she's half Holsteiner, and none of that is with the Holsteiner. <laughs> um, but luckily, I was on her. If I was on any other horse, yeah, they wouldn't have gone into that situation. So what'd she do? She, I looked at her, <laughs> and I said, "You got to help me right now. Like, we don't have time to think. Yeah, we don't have time to discuss. We got to go." Yeah. And she took off like a bat out of hell. That's awesome. And I had to pull her. Off the alligator. Oh my god! <laughs> she was going to just go right on, right? Just yeah. stomp him. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's a bad idea because you're <laughs> gonna get bit or you're gonna step on the dog or you know. Yeah, yeah. And so. So did the alligator have the dog? Yes, by the throat. Oh my god! So the alligator had the dog by the throat, and she ran up and she scared it. So we came like charge. Luckily, we were right there too, but right. we had to charge across a field. I mean, she was like a full gallop, like That's from incredible. zero to a hundred, just like yeah. <laughs> and the water's, you know, I mean, yeah. the dog screaming, the water's thrashing. Like, how many horses are gonna be yeah. like going into battle, literally, yeah. like that? And she was like, "Let me at it!" <laughs> <laughs> and so she came over the crest of the pond and the gate, and went into the water. And then I pulled her. I was like, "Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, okay, okay." Yeah, pulled her back, and it was enough to get the gator to let go of radar. Wow. And take off into the water. Wow. And I just, first of all, I was like, I can't believe that worked. Second of all, I didn't know if he was going to live. I didn't know. I didn't know what yeah. was going to come out of the water. Yeah. And so, and he came out on his own. I didn't have to go Radar. in and get him. And he comes through the reeds. And he's got four legs. <laughs> and he's alive. He had a huge puncture in the right side of his neck that took about oh three God. months. And his right leg was kind of torn up a bit. Wow. But so lucky. All the Wow. Everyone that lives there year-round is like, he shouldn't be. I mean, by all yeah. accounts, he shouldn't be here. Right. Gators are very good hunters. Yeah. And it was like a seven-footer. It wasn't. Yeah, it was a big one. It was a big one. That's incredible. God, I love mares. <laughs> so then I was like. I think that's such a mare thing. Is that such a yeah. mare thing? She would I die for me. I know she yeah. would. She would yeah. do anything. Yeah. And she's the one that used to go after that dog. <laughs> <laughs> but that's her dog. That's her that's dog. That's her dog to go after. And so, exactly. It was like, I can do that. You can't do you that. You can't do that to my dog. And so she used to, like, be cowie with Declan and, yeah. and Radar because they're littler. And so she would, like, flatten her ears. And, and I'd yeah. be like, hey, yeah, they're in the pack. Yeah. And then she was like, okay, they're in the pack. <laughs> okay. um, but don't mess with them. That's and awesome. She just, and then I was like, well, I can't sell her. No, that's your horse that's for life. Horse. So then I bred her because I was like, yeah. I want more of that. <laughs> yeah. You want a horse you can ride in a battle on. Right. So I'm just <laughs> making a whole herd of, like, post-apocalyptic horses. horses. That's awesome. <laughs> but it's just incredible. She's 
She's, I'm so bonded to her, you know, before oh, that, but so after cool. that, it was like, oh, like just internal gratefulness. God, yeah. Forever. Yeah. She would have died for you. She's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. yeah. Oh, God, that's crazy. Isn't yeah. that incredible? She would have killed that gator for you. Oh. Oh, yeah. I had to like stop her <laughs> yeah. from killing the gator. That's incredible. She's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so special. And so um, that's the kind of bond you can have. Yeah. You know? With the right horse. With the right with, horse. Not even with the right horse. With I think the, with most horses. I think you can have that sort of bond with the, with the right, with you getting your mindset and education yes. right. Absolutely. So on that topic, to loop it back. So <laughs> when people want to go on this journey, I can already feel like everyone's going to want on this want to go on this journey with you. Yes. <laughs> Are you available for online lessons I am. for people? Yes. Okay. How should people book that with you? So you can go to our website, which okay. is roots r o o t s dressage dot com dot com. Okay. Uh, you can go to our Instagram, Collective okay. Roots Dressage. Okay. We're on TikTok. We're on Facebook. Okay. Um, all the things. All the things. Um, and just reach out to you and set something up. And just set up. Yeah, you can okay. send me a message. Should I give my number? That. Can no. I do that? No, no. no. Yeah, just send oh, an yeah, email. Yeah, just send an email. That's fine. Yeah. Kate, Kate yeah. will get that. <laughs> yeah. Have a, so everyone should send an email if they want to reach out and schedule online lessons with so you. So the email is Melissa G. It's okay. M E L I S S A G okay. at rootsdressage.com. And that's on your website. And, and that's stuff on the too. Website. People can find that. And yeah. we'll link that in the show notes. No, yeah, the website and the email are just roots. Yeah. All right. And do you have any other like resources you would recommend for people? I think I'm interested to to look at some of the research, research that you found because it, it is difficult. Now, uh, Warwick Schiller is one that talks a lot about this. He's my one of my favorite horsemanship um, gurus, as they would say. Um, but there's there's not a lot of talk about emotion yet in the world of equestrianism um but i think i think we're on the forefront of it starting to come and and people really considering their horses emotions and well-being mentally and physically and i i think it's really exciting because i've been waiting for this for a long time and and i would love i want to help as many people as i can have a better relationship with their horse and if you just there's a lot of you know people that train in a way that's just very mindful. And so there's a lot of resources for trainers that have that horsemanship, I think, base. I think if you start there, it really opens up a lot of, a lot of doors. So um, one piece of research I found, and all of these will be linked in the show notes, um, actually showed that horses can be depressed, mm-hmm. which I feel like you and I both know <laughs> I think you and I both knew that, mm-hmm. um, but it was interesting to find a piece of research that actually showed like um, how different horses can become withdrawn, and it showed that it was a much higher instances of mares versus geldings, which I found interesting. That is interesting. My, I always have had this theory, and you ride so many mares, but I just think there is such a world that we don't understand about their reproductive health and the way it affects their pain in their back. Um, I would love like that to be one of the things that I do in my lifetime is like research that, figure out ways to massage them to help with that. You know, I have things that I do for the mares in my practice, but I would love to like know more about that 
And I just feel like because of that pain and because of their cycles, they're just so like criminally misunderstood. hundred yes. yeah. percent. We talk about this all the time yeah. at work because we're mirror people. Yeah. I'm such a mare person. I'm I a love mare them person. so much. I love gildings, too. too. I love, you know, I, I love, love all stallions. horses. I love all of them. But stallions are very sensitive creatures. Some of <laughs> <laughs> the stallions I've worked with, I really have adored. But mm-hmm. they're, they've been, like, you know, I think the more special stallions right, are really right. good. Yeah. So mares, we, if you own a mare, you just have to know the cycle. Yeah. And be just mindful of it. You know, I know when my mares are cycling— and I know that they might have some pain over the ovaries for that week. They're going to be probably a little spookier, mm-hmm. a little more on edge, and not wanting to move off my leg as much. Yeah. And I have to then work with that, but still get the results that I'm looking for, and maybe not to 100% that I was looking for. I might not be yeah. getting that that week, and that's okay. That has yeah. to be okay. Yeah. Um, but I also still need to say, I understand that you don't want to move off my leg today, but how can we get there, right? Yeah. So I might have to just do some different exercises okay. because just pressing with that is making them too sensitive. That's interesting. So another um, piece of information, um, this looked at foals. So this is also something I think you would have a yes. lot of insight on. Um, early experience, including handling during infancy, may influence the horse's adult behavior and reduce its fear of humans and other potentially frightening situations. Say it louder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like, so they looked at um, 16 Anglo-Arab foals that were handled for either 12 days immediately following weaning, um, and those are the early handled ones, or 21 days later. So that's not even that much later. So 21 days after versus 12 days. Um and then eight additional foals that weren't handled at all served as the controls. Um, so basically, they the handling consisted of haltering, petting the body, picking up the feet, and leading um, a little bit. Um, and so during the handling sessions, the earlier ones, which is only by a couple of weeks, um, were easier to handle than the ones um, for tw- after 21 days. So not even a full week. That's... 11 days. So a difference of 11 days made a a statistical difference between before and after weaning. I will always say I would rather the horse not be handled at all than handled incorrectly, right? So even from day one. Okay. And I'll get horses that have never been sat on. Yeah. They've never been started. Yeah. Two years old. Yeah. They have so much baggage. Because of the way they're handled. Because of the way they were handled. Do you have a little bit of advice for people handling young foals? I think a lot of people, horses are big very quickly. Yeah. And they don't have manners. You and know, people act out of fear. So people act out of fear. Yeah. And then they get forceful. Yeah. Um, and so, and uh, I'm not immune to that too. It's not like I'm, yeah. I've never been afraid. I mean. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know, you know some yeah. of the horses I get in. Yeah. Um, that I would like to get away from doing yeah. that. I'm getting too old for that. But um, I think if you just really practice horsemanship with empathy and learning how to properly handle, you know, the gr- people don't, I think, necessarily understand how much it translates. Mm-hmm. Every interaction you have with your horse on the ground is going to translate to... You're under saddle. And that could be in three years. 
So that first interaction that I have with a foal shortly after they're born, I'm already thinking of the relationship that I want to have with that horse. Or if I end up selling it, the relationship yeah. that I want the next owner to have with that horse yeah. years down the line. Yeah. Because every interaction is going to be important because they're going to remember it. Yeah. And sometimes I have to be the tough guy. I mean, it's not like it's all sunshine and rainbows. But when I am, it's never with, like, aggression. Yeah. It might be assertive. Yeah. Um, but it's never aggressive. And so I think they learn that pretty early and then that they don't have anything to be afraid of. And then they have less to fight against. Yeah. So... That makes a lot of sense. I like that you're thinking about how the relationship is going to progress over time. You know, that makes it, that is the way we treat babies. You know, like there's so much research showing what happens in the first like couple weeks of birth affects them for the rest of their right. life. You know, anxiety and attachment disorder That's a lot in of babies. Too. <laughs> it is a lot of pressure. Yeah, and they do that research with humans, you know, that which is a lot. Oh, the attachment well, styles? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And even I was just listening to a podcast that was talking about trauma. If you're, if the birth mother experiences trauma while carrying, then you're born with that trauma. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> like poof, oh, mind yeah. blown, right? And it's not that you can't overcome it. It's just having the right tools. Oh, What'd Facial expression and oxytocin as possible markers of positive emotions in horses. There's a lot of good stuff here. Positive emotion. Wait, okay, I just have to read the abstract. Behavioral and psychological markers of discrete positive emotions remain little investigated in animals, which is true as mm -hmm. I've dug through all of this. <laughs> to characterize new markers in horses, we use tactile stimulations, which was grooming, an emotional, an emotional situation of contrasting valence. Valence. Alley valence. Valence electrons is all I can think of. Yeah, me too. So charge, right? Combining power of an element. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so basically, an emotional situation of contracting power, essentially. In the gentle grooming group, um, horses were gently groomed during 11 sessions on body areas they appreciated the most. That's so sweet. Horses in the standard grooming group were groomed using a fixed procedure reported to induce avoidance reaction in some horses. So that's kind of like any horse just being like groomed aggressively without really much regard to like what they like and don't like. Um, and at session 11, the gently groomed horses expressed significantly more contact saving behaviors than the standard horses, which expressed significantly more avoidance behaviors. All right, well, this isn't exactly rocket science, but it's nice that they proved it. Right, right. <laughs> Blood, cortisol, oxytocin, heart rate, and heart rate variability never differed between before and after the grooming session. However, after the 11 sessions, Basal oxytocin levels were lower in the G group than in the S group. The difference was unexpected, but studies showing that a low level of basal oxytocin could be a marker of better well-being. Oh, wow. So after only 11 grooming sessions, the horses that were being gently groomed had better well-being. 
love that. Yeah, like they were being groomed in a way that they liked, that they like liked. the behaviors they liked. These expressions appear to be more sensitive than behavioral indicators because they were alone enabled in differentiating emotions, according to the group, when horses were re-exposed to the neutral grooming one year after the treatment. So we like the posture prep. You like the posture prep? Mm-hmm. I think it's aggressive for some horses. Oh, yeah. You but have to like, be very gentle with yeah, it. Yeah, you have to be gentle. And I think for it to actually be very effective, you have to be relatively, like, hard with it. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I think it's really good for, like, the glutes and, like, the beefy areas of the neck. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't use it over, like, most horses' like, back. In the back, yeah. Yeah. Um, just, or, like, their stomach because they're so sensitive. Mm-hmm. But I think it's good. Like, I think that's one of those tools that, like, good like, mm-hmm. it's going to help. Like, it's not, like, you know, life-changing, but mm-hmm. it's, like, good stuff. I love definitely. the mitts, too. I like the mitts, Those too. are my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the posture prep kind of gets in that, like, like stimulating way exactly. for horses really nicely. Right. I think it's, like, a lot of these things, like, they're definitely, like, they're probably going to help. They're not going to hurt as mm-hmm. long as you don't, like, as long as you, yeah. <laughs> don't aggressively do that right. for, like, half And, like, an that's the nice thing about posture prep is it gives you, yeah. like, an instructional. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, very cool. It gives yeah. you an instructional manual. So that's awesome. And I feel like some horses just like really love the way it like scratches them Mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. It feels really nice. That's cool. Yeah. You know, I think that that's cool that we, we have at least two pieces of research, one validating the fact that horses can get the, depressed you know my hypothesis on the mares is that they're probably depressed because they're so misunderstood Mm -hmm. we don't know those mares specifically of course and actually that piece of research didn't have any actual information about the horses they studied they were basically just trying to observe and like prove that horses could get depression um but then the other one showing that like horses well-being is literally affected by the way we're interacting with them just grooming and the fact that we're actually listening to them because that must mean that not only does it just feel good but that they feel like important to us and maybe they feel more like stable in their relationship with us because they can communicate better 100 percent. that's very cool so i have one last question and we're not going to be able to get into it all the way okay but it's a juicy one oh how do you think rider and, like, handler emotion affects horses? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have three more hours? <laughs> I, I want you to give me the, like, give me the teaser. Get me excited so, for the next time I see you. Yeah. Oh, is this what we're going to talk about? I can't yeah. wait. Um, this is a big one because the energy that you walk into the barn with, your horse already knows it. Mm-hmm. Before you're even at the stall, before you've put a hand on them, they are already, like, reading. <laughs> what do I have today with my human? Yeah. And so if your energy is always changing or if you're anxious or stressed or angry or upset, they know it before you're even at the stall door. Wow. Yeah, you're so right because they are prey animals. Their their drive is to constantly be assessing a situation mm-hmm. and we're the predator. Right. You know, so our job is to be as not predator-like. Not threatening. <laughs> <laughs> not threatening, you know, not being totally passive, but like right. not being threatening. And our job is to be a source of stability for them. Right. And that threatening can just be that you're anxious. Yeah. It, yeah, you might not be And then be the horse says, why are you anxious? Why are we anxious? Exactly. (laughs) We have something to be anxious about. (laughs) They're herd animals. So they're like, oh, (laughs) where's the fire? (laughs) And so we don't, if you don't know that going in and then your, but your horse does. Yeah. 
it can really, you know, have a lot of negative effects on your relationship with them. I totally agree. And I think that, unfortunately, if you're anxious all the time, they might not want to be around you. They might be stressed out by you. You might not even be cognizant of that. Yeah, you like honestly I think that you probably aren't. You probably aren't. You're or or you're cognizant of it's it at some level. But you also like, you know, I do think a lot of people and this used to be me might not have a great ability to control it. So mm. I think looking inward and evaluating like, you know, deep breathing as, in the car before I get to the right. barn or like taking a second before I open the door to just like meditate and set my intention with my horse, so you know, great. just little things that may, might not take very long in your day, but might totally change your relationship with your horse. Like this journey for me that started with equine emotion <laughs> and now has me like, for the past four years, Wim Hof breathing, yeah. cold plunging, the <laughs> sauna, <laughs> meditative breathing. Yeah. Um, I did the the saltwater tank float. Oh, the float. Yeah. I, the, in the a sensory deprivation yes. chamber. Did you turn everything off? Incredible. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, I really liked that, that too. That was amazing. I don't think there's one. I mean, there's one like 45-ish one minutes from here. Okay, there's one in Westchester mm-hmm. too. Yeah, that's good to know because – just being alone with your thoughts. That's a scary, very <laughs> scary place for me. I didn't want to go. I was like, I just went because a friend of mine like yeah. literally bugged me for a year until I was like, fine. That's fair. I'll go. I actually find a lot of neck benefits from it. Like it does something to unwinding like all the trauma I've had to my neck and the concussions I've had to my neck as well. What I will tell you is when I came out of that, I was I was not looking forward to it going in. And I didn't love it when I was in it. I didn't hate it. Yeah. But I didn't love it. I, I don't know about you, but I found a lot of pain in my body while I was in right. there. Yeah. Well, no, I, have a lot of neck, I have a lot of neck yeah, trauma as well. Right. But then when I got out, there's like a post-float room, and I was waiting for my friend to get done. And I sat in this little egg chair, and I crossed my legs, and I just like tucked in this little chair, which that was great too. I was like, they look so dumb, but they're actually really cool. And I sat there, and I was blown away. I don't remember a time in my life when I was that calm. Wow. Ever. Yeah. So then it was like mind blowing because then it took me back to when I was a little kid and I'm like, when, when did anxiety start? And that was a scary. That's also a self-realization, scary right? Yeah. That was a scary thought for me because I had never, ever felt a calm like that in my body. But what it taught me was this is what I need to have more for my horses, for myself and my own health, for my kid. <laughs> you know? And so going down this path, if you want to just be better for your horse, just work on that stuff for yourself as well. It's incredible. A book that really changed the way I look at that specifically um, is called Stillness is the Key by Ryan. What's his last name? But the book is called Stillness is the Key. And it is mind-blowing. I listen to it on Audible while I drive or work on horses occasionally. Um, But it's just like it'll it'll change the way you look at things and especially the way you change the way you interact with horses. Yes, I love yeah. that. Oh, no, it's a really it good sure. book. Yeah, it's a really good book. All right, Melissa. Last question of the show. Last Uh-oh. question of the <laughs> uh, last question of this pod. What is one thing regarding equine emotion that you do not buck with? Regarding equine emotion. I don't buck with that it's ever the horse's fault. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming on. So if people want to find you, they should go to your website, your social media, Collective Roots Dressage. Reach out if they want a lesson. Absolutely. Lessons. Awesome. We've got um, a couple of online courses and a lot more to come. And there's a, a link in the bio on Instagram and TikTok on Instagram. for that. Yeah. And is it on your website yet or no? I will check that. Okay. This weekend. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Perfect. Thank you, Mel. Thank you.